welcome to Ask the Water Polo Goalie. If this is your first time listening, my name is Glenn Bush, and I'm an assistant coach and the goalie coach for the men's water polo team at UCSD. The main idea of this podcast is me answering the questions I receive from players or other coaches. And sometimes I'll select a topic to talk about just from the goalie's perspective. If you want to send me a question, you can send it to my email. That's thewaterpolagoalie at gmail.com. Or there is a link in the description to leave an audio recording, and I can play that on the podcast. The secondary goal of this podcast is it for it to be kind of a shared repository of knowledge for younger goalies. So if you have something to add to a previous episode, and you think it will be a big help to other goalies, then please send me that email, or you can also leave an audio recording that I can play for the audience. Myself, you know, I like to learn new things and I want to continuously improve as a coach. So I'm open to new ideas and perspectives. So if you have them, send them this way. And JD down in Australia has been kind enough to share some of his insights with me after listening to a couple episodes. Uh, JD is a former Australian national team goalie and a coach. And this is about last episode where I talked about dry land workouts to improve leg strength if you have limited pool time. What I forgot to cover which were my original notes, but you start talking and you kind of forget about it. And this is what JD kindly pointed out to me is plyometric exercises. To quote JD, strength comes from good external hip rotation, which needs to be adhered to along with plyometric exercises and glute and hamstring work. Nothing replicated in goal jumping better than just that, unquote. And plyometric exercises for the legs and hips, they'll help with your agility and reaction time. They help you kind of build that power base. And another added bonus is it'll help with knee stability, which is probably the next big body part for you to take care of other than your hips. If you do some Googling, you'll find some water polo plyometric workouts. Uh, I found one that is made specifically for water polo goalies. JD recommends checking out plyometric workouts uh, with or without resistance bands for volleyball players. The added bonus with that is there are a lot more videos and resources for volleyball than water polo. And I would also venture a guess that plyometric workouts for basketball will be an effective replacement too. Both volleyball and basketball require explosive jumping and body balance through different planes of motion, just like being a water polo goalie. And you can always adjust and adapt the drills that you find for volleyball or basketball to better fit water polo. I'm going to take a brief pause for the sponsor of this episode, and then I'll get into the main topic. The main topic of this episode is I'm going to talk about the three stages of your defense and the general strategies you want to employ during them on a change of possession. At the college level and above, the shot clock is about 30 seconds, or not about, it is, and I believe high school games are 35-second shot clocks. So as a college goalie and my team is transitioning back to defense, I like to think of that defensive possession as kind of 10, 10, and 10. I'm breaking the shot clock down into thirds. 10 seconds of counterattack slash transition, 10 seconds of the other team getting set up in the front court. You know, the counterattack is over, but the offense is still getting themselves into position. Some players are are in their natural attacking positions while others are still getting to their spots or they're trying to drive to their spots. And the last 10 seconds of the offense are really them attacking and trying to score or to get that ejection through the, the entry pass to two meters. Obviously, these are rough timelines. The actual times will, will vary a lot. You know, the younger the players, the longer the transition time and setup that it may take, and the less time they'll have for that last stage. Teams that play in smaller pools will spend less time in transition and have more time for the last two stages. And if you play with a 35-second shot clock, 
the offense will spend more time in that last third attacking the front court setup. Your goal as a defensive unit and as the goalie is to keep the ball and your opponent in the first two thirds as long as possible in that last third for as least as possible. For this talk, let's assume that it's an even transition. The offense isn't up anywhere as they come at you. you know, it's a full six-on-six six transition counterattack. The ball is most likely going to start back with the goalie who's looking for an outlet pass. So your first step is to deny that outlet. You need to be communicating with your defense that they are even and that they need to press and to deny the outlet. This involves you yelling out some of the general lines of, hey, we're even, we're even, uh, goalie ball, goalie ball, press no release, press no release. And if the ball is finally outletted, it's probably to a player close to half tank or still on their side of the, of the pool. So once it's there, you're going to start yelling press no foul. A foul allows your opponent an easy time to advance the ball. You want to contain them with a good amount of pressure without fouling. You know, that's going to run the clock. Hopefully your team is applying enough pressure so that the offensive player turns their back to the front court or they're getting pushed back towards their goalie, making their next pass harder and ripe for a steal or they force a turnover. Now, what works against you is that most refs call quick soft fouls once the ball is outletted. You know, they're helping to move the ball quickly up into the offense. So it's easier to tie the ball up in the goalie's hands by denying the outlets. But once they make that outlet, your teammates have to be disciplined to not reach, not foul, and to contain the ball back in that backcourt. You can help with talking and reinforcing what they should be doing. You know, press no foul. No foul, Johnny. Don't foul. Most field players have these grandiose visions of them stealing the ball or forcing a turnover and taking off to the goal on a one-on-one or just a one-on-goalie and try and get that easy score. And you get to add all the adulations and the crowd's cheering for them. But 99% of the time they foul, the ball moves up into the front court easily, and now you have to adjust your team into the second phase of transition. The second phase has the offense in their front court, but they're not in their final positions yet or their preferred formation. So you can take advantage of this and you can remain in a press. But again, it's a no foul press. Your defense might not be in their best positions yet, so a foul gives the other team a free pass and the potential for them to find the weak point of your defense quickly and to attack you quickly. You also want your center defender in a fronting position. This denies quick entries into two meters, and if everyone else is pressing, this can tie the ball far away from the strike zone. Good centers are usually okay with an initial front. You know, they can lock up with their defender, they can conserve a little energy, and then they can see which side they need to work to or which side they want to work to and then start banging down low to get where they want. So try to take advantage of this with an initial press and see if you can tie the ball up away from that strike zone and extend their time in the second phase before that third phase comes. Now, if they have a bad center forward, maybe you can run out their shot clock in this press and fronting position. The key area in your defense, or, or a better way to say is the weakest point in your defense, are your deep wings here. If the ball can get to a deep wing, they have a very easy entry pass to two meters. And with your center defender in a fronting position, that center forward can easily seal. And now they have inside water on your defender and they can get that easy penalty. So when in this early press, I like to remind my wings that the ball can't get there, that they need to be up in their lanes and they need to know where the ball is at all times as they try to get open and try to drive and try to V out to get those release passes. So I say things like, hey, the ball can't get to the wings. And I'll call my teammates by name at the X1 and X5 position to get up in a press and to deny the ball. 
but you need to be ready for that quick entry pass if the ball does make it to the wing. I see a lot of field players at the wing position get this pass and then enter it without really looking at the goalie. They know they have an advantage at two meters and it's almost a one-timer from when they receive the ball to when they enter it. And you can take advantage of this by reading the field player's body position and their over-eagerness to enter the ball and jump on it for a steal. Many times they are leaning back and stepping away from their defender to create space so they have that space to receive the ball and to make that quick entry. So they're not really in a shooting position and they're not looking at you. And so that kind of is a little bit of a tip-off that they're looking for that quick entry that you can steal on. And even if you have a really good press, some teams will still force the ball down there with kind of almost a, a corner dump throw. You know, they huck it to open space where their teammate will most likely get it. And this is usually fine because you can adjust your defense into a zone or it gives your defender time to refront and you're there to jump the lane on any steal too. Another issue in this phase is when you're pressing is off-ball perimeter defenders will start dropping on two meters. I'm guessing they think the ball will be entered at a bad angle and that they'll be right there to steal it. Again, getting all the fame and glory. What usually happens is the ball is crossed to the person they were supposed to be pressing and that person now has a passing lane to two meters or they might be in a strong shooting pocket. I've seen this happen way more than it should with X1 and X2 defenders when the ball's on the 4-5 side and you have a front on that 4-5 side. I like to remind the off-ball side to stay pressed. No cross passes. If the ball is on that 4-5 side, I'll say press the 1-2. No cross pass. Press the 1-2. Reminders go a long way. If you don't reassure the field players, they'll start thinking for themselves and your team defense will break down. A good center forward is not going to let you front for very long. They will get position. And so now you have problems. If you stay in that press, your center defender is isolated. So they'll either be kicked out or they'll give up a goal. Now this might be a, a bigger topic for another time, but it's okay to take an ejection at two meters. It is better to play man down defense than allow that center forward to take a, to take a high percentage shot right in front of the cage and score a natural goal. Good converting teams are maybe around 60% on man up. And I'm guessing that a center shot is probably at least an 80% chance of success. So I'll take that trade-off. So the center forward gets position, and now it's time to drop back into your zone defense, whatever it is. This is where you earn your money as a communicator. You need to recognize when your defender is about to lose position. You need to identify the zone defense you need to run and then let everyone on your team know what they're doing while staying focused on the ball and potential shots coming at you. The hope is you play at the last 10 seconds denying an entry to two meters and forcing the other team to take the shot that you want them to take. Or they do force an entry, but your defenders are there to steal before the center forward can really do anything with the ball. The odds favor the offense on getting something off. So you just want to make sure it's a low percentage shot or you want it to be a poor entry pass that's easily stolen. A problem here is that the top line defenders want to leak out to offense early. They hope they can get a breakaway. Again, they're hoping for all that fame and glory and the crowd cheering for them. And at the lower levels, this can happen. But as you move up in skill level, that frontline breakaway gets less frequent. Counterattack opportunities really start to develop from the back line in a well-structured six-man counter. But your teammate abandons the zone and they're trying to push that breakaway. Now this opens up a better entry lane to two meters or they allow a perimeter player to move up into a better shooting pocket to take a higher percentage shot and the shot you did not want them to take. Plus, you'll probably be moving laterally, so it's going to be tough for you to make the save. 
Preventing teammates from leaking out needs to be addressed during practice, at timeouts, or at quarter breaks. It's tough to stop your teammate from doing this as it's happening. You just have too much going on in front of you. What you can do is communicate effectively and get your teammates in the right position and correct hand up for their shot blocking, or get them in the right position to crash on two meters or to deny that entry pass. And if you're running a trapping zone, you can get them to start rotating at the right time. I'm not going to get into each zone defense now. I think I'll do standalone episodes for the different types of zone defenses that are out there. But this is more about thinking about your defense or what you want it to look like at different stages of an opponent's possession and what you want to achieve in each one of those thirds. But like I said earlier, the 10, 10, and 10 framework are just rough estimates. Each stage will look different based on your team's overall skill level, your opponent's skill level, pool size, and shot clock length. But the main goal is to keep the team in, in the first two thirds for as long as possible so that they don't get a good look on the cage or that they have such short amount of time to attack the front court that they rush bad shots or they create turnovers by forcing bad passes. Now, if you have anything to add to this or you have follow-up questions, you know, send them to me. My email and the, and the link to leave an audio message are down in the show description. But thank you for listening and I'll catch you next time.